0: I want to be strong, to have the flexibility and confidence to play soccer with my kids or volleyball on the beach. I want to feel energetic and spontaneous with my husband. I want my body to feel the freedom to move and enjoy life, to hike Yosemite, surf in Hawaii, bike to the beach, to have fun with friends and not be limited. I want to do things that love my body, to feel and experience all the sensations of life. I want my body to be a force in nature that overcomes difficulty and resistance. I believe in health and wellness and daily consistent exercise. I'm here today with Kelly Haddock. She's a singer, songwriter, wife, and mom. Fourteen years ago, her husband died in a horrific car accident that severely injured her 14-week-old son. Four years ago, she returned to the hospital to thank each doctor, nurse, hospital staff, and key people who helped her son fight for his life. As a physical therapist, this is very meaningful to me as a healthcare provider. Many times I don't know the impact I have on people, so it's awesome to hear Kelly express her gratitude and how her life has changed. The Thank You Project is a short film featuring Kelly's story of gratitude after tragedy. and It has been viewed on her website, kellyhaddock.com. I highly recommend watching. It's had about 150 million views. It's inspired me to be more thankful. Kelly is here today to share her story about the tragedy, as well as talk about her eating struggles that may not be as well known. She shares with us how gratitude has been a part of her healing process and how it has made her stronger and healthier both inside and out. I'm thrilled to talk with Kelly today as she reflects on her journey towards healing, health, and wellness. She has lived through deep grief and found hope and joy on the other side. She's a beautiful songwriter and singer and just a beautiful person. Her newest album just released, it's called All Shall Be Well. She's now married and lives in Florida and is a mom of three kids. Hey Kelly, it's great to be with you today. It's great to be with you too, Beth. Thanks for joining me. Your story and journey is so inspiring and I'm really excited for our listeners to hear from you and to know about your life and your whole journey. So I would like to start with your life before the Thank You Project. Tell me about your growing up years.
1: So, I had a really fun growing up experience. I grew up in Florida with my mom and dad and sister And I was able to go to a really highly competitive, intense school for the arts where I was classically trained in piano and voice and actually minored in ballet. And it was such a great uh, school. And I was able to start college as a junior um, in, in my major and actually had such an intense classical music background that I decided to major in ballet and um I was teaching piano and voice all throughout that time as well and through um ballet just found such um joy in dancing and as you know so many of you know when you're when you're dancing so much is about how you look and how your body looks and um I started to learn pretty early on that as I lost weight, and I was never heavy to begin with, but as I got skinnier, my dance teachers really liked the way I danced better. It seemed like I got more attention, I got better roles, I got to be the example student more the skinnier I got. And so I, as a young girl, thought, well, then the skinnier I am, the better. So I very quickly and very early on, I think in eighth grade, um, began a cycle of just not eating. And then if I did have to eat because I was around other people, then I would quickly go to the bathroom and make myself throw up. So this um, this negative behavior um, really brought a lot of positive reinforcements. So as a young girl, in a lot of ways, it just seemed like a good thing. And, um, things were going really well by my junior year of high school. Um, not much had changed. I, um, was really finding a lot of success both in music and in dance and in school and with friends. And, um, and I, but I knew that, you know, it's probably not healthy. I've been doing this for close to five years and maybe this isn't the best way. So, um, I remember I, I went to my parents and asked for help, kind of told them what was going on. And, um, I think they just, they wanted me to be the perfect child. And in so many ways I was, I liked being a role follower. I liked being a good girl and found, found fulfillment in that. And, um, And so I think when I sat them down and I was like, hey, I'm not the perfect little girl you think I am, I don't think they were able to really process that. Even though I know that they loved me, I think they didn't know what to do with that. And so basically the result was that they didn't really do much with that. And um, I took that as a green light that, well, I guess what I'm doing isn't that bad and maybe I should do it more. So um my last 2 years of high school I got really sick and I would basically eat an apple, a can of green beans and a Laffy Taffy for the entire day and I'd spread those things out. Um but that was all I would eat every day. And um drank a whole lot of Diet Coke which is so gross to me now to think. <laughs> um <laughs> But at, at my worst, I weighed 82 pounds, and um, just I was beyond looking good. I just looked sick, um, mm-hmm. but I felt like I had arrived. You know that that being that thin was like the ultimate goal in life, and um, in dance, my teachers just loved me and used my body as an example. Used used me to show the other dancers in our classes, you know, this is, this is how to do it. This is how to look. Um, And so it's just culturally really confusing um, when negative behaviors get such positive reinforcements. Mm -hmm. Um, So my senior year of high school, um, when I was at what I would say my ugliest, my unhealthiest, was actually when I met AJ, my first husband, Mm-hmm. And um we were leading worship at church. I played piano and sang and um he played bass and he's 5 years older than me and was also leading a college ministry at our church. And so we met one day after worship practice and he was like, "Hey, what year are you?" And I was not trying to be deceitful at all, but I was like, "Oh, I'm a senior." Thinking he totally knew I was a senior in high school. Well, he completely assumed I was a senior in college, asked me to oh, join wow. the college ministry band. And I'm like, sure, thinking like, wow, cool. This like cool guy wants me to join the college band. Sure. So <laughs> so we had been playing music together for a um, couple months and had started clearly having feelings for each other and spending more and more time together. And I remember when his mom came to visit, the look on his face when his mom asked more specific questions than he asked and discovered that I was a senior in high school. I mean, his face was just, his chin was on the floor. Um, but at that point it was too late. We had already fallen in love and, um, he kind of needed to wait for me to finish high school before he could propose. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but he had a great job and we just agreed, you know, it's unconventional, but we're going to get married young and, um, he was finished with college and I was able to go to college while we were married. And, um, so we got married young and, um, but what he did was he saw me for who I was on the inside and he wasn't Mm -hmm. falling in love with me because I was skinny. Um, and he came alongside of me and held me accountable and he was really the first person who was like, Kelly, this isn't okay for you to abuse your body like this. Mm. And I love you anyway, but I'm not going to let you do this. And I'm going to help you get better. And he would say, just eat healthy for an hour. Like that's all I care. Like eat something. Don't throw it up. Don't, I don't care what you do the rest of the day, but give me, give me an hour, like give me a meal. And so I would do that. And as I was successful in that, he was like, can you just give me one day of the week? Like, I don't care what you do every other day of the week, but like eat normal for one day. And so as I was able to succeed in that for a little while, then he would say, OK, like, give me two days. See if, see if you can do this for two days. And so we really slowly, probably over the course of about six to nine months, um, went kind of methodically through this kind of accountability and healing journey together. And he would pray over me and Um, He never once shamed me for making myself throw up or for not eating enough. Um, But he just, he kind of saw me in that and loved me Mm -hmm. through it. And I think, um, you know, one thing I I like to talk about with eating disorders is the importance of kind of validating the story. Because if you are talking to somebody who has an eating disorder and you're just like, oh, you're not fat – oh, like you should be eating more. It really kind of just makes the person feel like they're crazy or feel shame or feel like they're wrong. And that's not going to help bring them to healing. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a way to kind of enter into the story, maybe even Mm -hmm. validate it, but in a way that comes alongside and says, you're not crazy. I understand that you want to be thinner than you are right now, but you're beautiful. And I love you just the way that you are. And I want to help you. I want to help you get healthy. And that's what AJ did for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And in a sense, I feel like he gave me my life back. Yeah.
0: So just to frame this, how many years ago was this for you?
1: Oh, man. Um, Probably about between 15 and 20 years ago, kind of through that range.
0: Mm-hmm. And how would you say it shapes you today? How does it Im- impact you?
1: It shapes me every day. I mean, there there mm. are conscious decisions every day to choose to be healthy, to choose to have a healthy relationship with food. My husband now, as as I know you just mentioned, I, I've remarried, and and he has just completely picked up the baton right where AJ. Um, passed it along and he also continues to love me by holding me accountable and um I think I think I thought that I would like hit some magic moment where you're just like eternally free and maybe that will come but I think in reality it's just gonna be something I struggle with my whole life and you know I walk in freedom so I haven't had um acted on those temptations or bad behaviors I haven't made myself throw up in a really 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 long time but I think the the mentality the mindset I would say is more what the, the daily struggle is of like I am choosing to not let food control me I am choosing to to, to have a healthy response, um, you know, some days I'll I'll want to skip lunch or have an extra hard workout. And not that those things are bad, but what are my motives in wanting to choose those things? Are they coming from a place of freedom and health? Or are they coming from a place of, of kind of leaning back into these negative mindsets that really have controlled me for a long time?
0: So what has helped you the most over the years with helping your mindset?
1: Um, I think being anchored in what's true, um, Mm -hmm. being anchored in God's love for me and knowing, um, that I'm provided for and that he has given me a body, um, that is amazing and that does amazing things. And as a mom, um, I, I've, Got to have natural childbirth. I had our youngest son at home. And when you like get to experience your body doing something so miraculous as like birthing a human and doing that in a natural way, where you're like so present for every part of that process, you're just like, gosh, our bodies are amazing. Um, and I think just learning to accept and and delight in what God has given me and realizing like this is something I'm given. To steward and to be responsible with, it helps me approach taking care of myself in a healthy way, um, mm. out of out of a way of delight instead of a way of like the ought to and the rules and <laughs> and the pressure right. from culture.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is something that a lot of women struggle with: is as we age, being able to look in the mirror and really love. Your body Mm -hmm. to love all the shapes and the curves and the extra little fat you have here, (laughs) or the little muffin top you have there, maybe the thighs that touch, or you know, I just do. It is a passion of mine for me and also my friends and my family to just feel like you really love your body,
1: yeah,
0: and loving loving your body as it is, just to be able to look in the mirror today. And go, yeah, I've got a good body. It takes me places. It, you know, allows me to hug my the people I love. I mean, there's just so much that our body does for us. Yeah. But then also to love your body and take care of your body, to exercise, to eat well. And I love what you're saying because I do feel like it's such a mental thing. Because I could exercise, like my mental frame could be, oh, I ate you know, half a pumpkin pie and I need to go work that off. That's probably not a healthy thing, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The healthy thing would be, I love my body, so I'm going to eat, you know, maybe a normal slice. Um, and just, you know, think about that. It's, it's okay. No shame, no guilt. Um, but to be able to exercise daily and, boost your metabolism and just feel energetic. But exercising for those reasons, like I want to be strong. I, you know, as I'm turning 45 (laughs) and as I just approach literally middle age, I want to stay active. I want to run with my kids on the soccer field. I want to play volleyball. I want to um, be able to run up that flight of stairs if I need to. Um, But I feel like that's just such a change of perspective yes you know I mean it is nice to fit in your clothes and not to have to keep um, getting bigger clothes of course (laughs) Um, so you know some of those things are nice but it is such like a mental thing for us as women definitely uh, because there's just so much pressure and you're right just reinforcement for such a negative behavior and we all get that (laughs) I mean I just, it's such a discipline, I guess, to uh, maintain a healthy outlook on our body and food. And I just really appreciate you sharing and the vulnerability and honesty you have for us today. I just, thank you. You're welcome. So I would like to transition to for the people that maybe just watched the Thank You Project for the first time today and don't know your story of um, how you went to the hospital and thanked everyone. But would you mind just spending a couple minutes on just telling us what you remember um, from the first day of that accident?
1: I do. I'd I'd, I'd be happy to, Beth.
0: Um, So
1: we had... um, Just visited my my husband's parents, and I call it the longest vacation of my life because we never really made it home. We were driving home, and the sun was beginning to set. Our 14 week old baby was in the back seat, and I remember we were listening to Al Green's song, Let's Stay Together, and we were both goofballs. We were playing the air trumpets. The sun was beginning to set, and that's really the last thing I remember. Um, My next memory is of a golden cross around a woman's neck, and it was dark outside by this point. And it was almost like I was focused on this cross necklace, and and like the scene was zooming out, and I was able to kind of slowly take in what else was happening around me. And I remember somebody was holding Eli, and he was completely white and limp and lifeless, and I was like, I really want to hold my baby. Why won't you let me hold my baby? And I, I didn't understand really what was going on, And another woman walked up to me and said, you're going to go to the hospital. There's a helicopter coming to pick you and your son up. And I was like, oh, cool. I've always wanted to ride a helicopter. And um, I remember she looked at me and she said, you haven't always wanted to ride in one of these helicopters. And again, I wasn't fully understanding what was going on. Um, And then sort of my next memory is when we landed on the helipad at the hospital and they They took Eli on a gurney one direction, and they took me on a gurney another direction. And um, I still was like, I really want to be with my baby. Why can't I be with my baby? Um, And I really hadn't thought about AJ at all at that point. Um, I was really focused on Eli, um, our son. So maybe about an hour or so after being in the ER, I started asking like, oh, well, can somebody tell me where AJ is? What room is my husband in? Um, How is he doing? And I was just getting these really vague answers. So several hours later, I'd been wheeled in and out of every test and x-ray and CAT scan machine you can imagine. And I was just laying there and my mom and my sister um, walked in the hospital. I guess somebody had called them and they had driven down from Jacksonville. And nobody had really cleaned me up. I was still covered in blood, though I wasn't really injured at all, which is a huge miracle, Um, just scratches and bruises. So they started wiping the blood off of my face. And not long after that, a hospital chaplain came and walked in the room. And she just very bluntly and matter-of-factly said, you guys are in a bad car accident, and your husband was killed instantly. Wow. and I looked at her and I said the first thing that come, came to my mind and nobody premeditates what they're going to say when they hear the worst news of their life so I kind of surprised myself with what fell out of my mouth but I just looked at her and I said God is good and Jesus is Lord mm-hmm. and she didn't say a single thing to me she just turned and left the room and then of course my mom and sister and I just broke down weeping Um. Mm-hmm. so it was a couple of hours later they came and said you can leave the ER we don't need to keep you here longer you're going to be okay but you need to go be with your son he's in the pediatric intensive care unit and the adult hospital and the children's hospital are just next door to each other so it was about a 10 minute walk or so and um, i just remember that walk felt like the longest walk of my life because i thought how am i going to look at our baby and and tell them your dad is gone um, so it was just excruciatingly challenging. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's I'm, where it began. <laughs> yeah. I'm so
0: sorry. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Beth. I know it was 14 years ago, but thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So what were the first few years like?
1: The first few years were really intense for Eli. His medical needs were great. Um, the doctors first said that if he lives, he might not be able to walk or talk or show emotion. He's an absolute miracle because he did eventually start doing those things with a whole lot of therapy. We were, I think going to therapy was our full-time job with PT, ST and OT, Mm -hmm. um, and all the doctor's appointments. He was in and out of the hospital for those first four years, um, regularly. And um, it was touch and go there for a while. But he does walk, he does talk, he does show emotion, and he does have special needs, which in so many ways makes him more special.
0: Yes. So what led you to want to thank the doctors? Because I think as a healthcare professional, I think it's remarkable that your heart as you were grieving, and I know it was a 10 year span, so that's a long time. Yeah. But just what led you to feel like, oh, I wanna go back and thank these people? Cause not many people do that, as we heard in the story, right. and I've experienced in my life.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, you know, when you're in tragedy, you're just trying to survive. And depending on the degree of that tragedy, that, that will be longer or shorter, um, just depending on who you are and what you're going through. And we cannot judge or compare our stories to anybody else. Um, Mm -hmm. but I had no capacity for gratitude and not because I was a bad person or not because I didn't care or I wasn't grateful, but it was a full-time job just to survive, just to get through the day. And, um, so many people ask like, well, why did you wait 10 years? And I think, I think for me and our journey, it took me that long to really have a capacity to 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 realize that, oh, yeah, there's all these people that helped get us here. And um, in a lot of ways, it was this ordinary, sweet day. It was uh, one, I think, a Sunday afternoon and um our house at the time didn't really have a backyard so we had a a really great front yard and I remember we were sitting out front and sitting in our rocking chairs and our kids were just running and playing in the yard and Eli was playing with his brother and sister and he was just being a kid being a boy Mm -hmm. rolling in the grass laughing and giggling and I just thought this is so good like and it just sort of hit me like how did we get here? And oh my goodness, we didn't get here on our own. And I, I remember talking with my husband and we were both thinking like, wow, there are so many people that helped get us here. And wouldn't it be so cool to find them and like kind of tell them the rest of the story? Because especially people that work in trauma, they kind of see people in their worst moments and their most intense moments. And then if they do you know, their jobs well, the people get better and then they move on. And and, and they're right there focusing on their next critically ill person. Meanwhile, the family's moving on and, and really not looking back. And so I think I realized like, oh, these people don't know how impactful their work has been for Eli. And I'd love to go find them and thank them and tell them the rest of the story and so then that idea just kind of grew into like well let's have a big party to celebrate and let them meet Eli again and see him see how he's doing so it really mushroomed into something more but it started out as this really ordinary idea on an ordinary day
0: Well, I think it's beautiful and I think it's amazing that you have this video that you can share with the world. (laughs) And it's so, I think, just inspiring for each one of us to think about people in your life who have impacted you or just strangers or, you know, your doctor or whoever. Yeah. And just to say thank you and how, I mean, to see people crying and how meaningful that was. I mean, the woman that said, oh, this will help me for the next how many years? Yeah, I mean, that was incredible. But I I can see that. I could really see how impactful this was for each of those healthcare workers and how they do this every single day. Every day. I mean, what they... Every day (laughs) they dedicate their lives to it, and I think it's just incredible. They are absolute heroes. I think it takes a special person
1: to choose to enter into that kind of trauma every day. And these people, as you can see, it's so clear in the video like they bring their heart every day. It's not just a to do list for them, they truly care. And I had no idea. What a thankless job it is. And um, that was definitely for me as we did this, um, the biggest surprise for me was that these people aren't thanked every day, like blows my mind Um, Mm -hmm. and just made me all the more grateful to, to have time thanking each of them.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for putting that out into the world and giving us a picture of what it could look like. Uh, I just, I do think it's incredibly inspiring and helpful. Thank you. Yeah. So I would like to talk a little bit about what your life looks like now. You are launching a new album, which is awesome, and would love to just talk about your music and how that has influenced and helped your healing.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I, um, as I shared earlier, I was doing music before the accident, before all this happened. Um, my first record I did with AJ, and so I feel like these dreams were planted in me early on. Um, and I, I didn't ever imagine the Thank You Project video going viral. Um, we actually didn't even make it. The hospital found out that we were trying to thank everybody and approached us and said, "Hey, like." could we follow you with a camera and a film team and and help you find these doctors in exchange for like letting us film your story? And so we were like, sure. So, um, so I mean, this wasn't any goal that I had, you know, to have this viral video, but I feel like it just sort of came and happened. And, um, when the today show picked it up, I was blown away. Um, and just so grateful because it really is about bringing hope and, um, helping people, Um, realize that they're not alone um, and and to choose gratitude um, because none of us make it through life on our own and we both are have all helped other people and we both have all received help and so I really see that as one of my purposes in life is to to help people enter into relationship to choose love to receive love to share love in especially in the form of gratitude and and have hope no matter what they're going through pure authentic hope not just some pie in the sky wishful thinking but but true hope and so um i feel like in having this viral video it's helped open up a broader platform um mm-hmm. to to bring hope to more people and and my goal is just to continue to <laughs> to pour it on thick um one of my musician friends um she's a great mentor and friend of mine, Sarah Groves, some of you might know her music, Um, she sang on my first kind of real studio record, and um, when she came to my concert I did in Minneapolis, she was sitting in the front row, and I was like so nervous, like, oh my goodness, Sarah Groves is in the audience, but um, she just was so kind afterwards, she said, you know, people can brace themselves for good news, people can brace themselves for bad news, but nobody can brace themselves for hope. And what you bring is like being hit with a tsunami of hope, and mm-hmm. um, I just feel like that helped laser focus me. Like yes, like that—that that is why I make music. And so um, my my last studio album with the full band is called Wild Love. We released that in 2017. Um, I worked with um, Michael Rosbach, who produces Pavloš and Gunger and lots of other fantastic musicians. Um, my drummer is Steve Gould, who is the drummer for Sarah Bareilles. So we have all those fantastic pop beats. And then um, our, our pianist and string arrangers, a friend named John Arndt, who plays um, he's part of the band The Brilliance, just beautiful. And then the rest of the band is um, the band that plays with Sarah Groves. And so um, such a such a fantastic team around me. And the songs on Wild Love are the songs that I wrote while we were thinking our heroes. So it's sort of me processing mm-hmm. grief and processing what it means to get to the other side of tragedy and, and where love enters in on both sides of tragedy, both in the walking through and, and coming to the other side and both in receiving love in the form of healing, but both in being healed so that I can better give love. Um, So I called it Wild Love because the whole record is really just this deep dive exploration into love and into God's love and the love of those around us and in our hearts as we give love. And then our new record, um, my new record, All Shall Be Well, was um, born out of a time I spent in the Holy Land leading worship for a group of women leaders from all around the world. And, um, you know, My record, Wild Love, I was just talking about, um, didn't do the things that I had hoped it would do. Um, We were talking with the producers of Good Morning America and Oprah, and we talked to our friends at the Today Show, and I got really, really nice no's, but basically everybody rejected (laughs) the album, and it hurt uh, really, really bad, because I just thought this was going to be like the next wave after um, the Thank You Project video. And, um, so I realized that God had a different plan and, um, in a lot of ways I felt like a fool for trying and I wanted to give up, but I found myself leading worship in the holy land, um, with these group of women who were so encouraging and just seeing my gifts being used still and thinking, you know what, I'm not done. Like God's not done with me yet and, um, finding a lot of healing, um, both seeing my own um, brokenness in my heart, my selfishness and pride that I bring to the table, um, the arrogance and entitlement that I bring to the table, um, and, and laying that down and choosing freedom and choosing to serve because I love the people I'm serving, not serving because I love numbers, not serving because I love a big audience, but serving because these are hearts that need hope. And so, um, in the Holy Land, just encountering, um, kind of encountering that tsunami of hope that I, I want to bring to people, um, I feel like came to me. And as I, um, came home from that trip, these friends were saying, oh, we just loved your hymns on the ukulele all throughout the trip at all the different holy sites, the Sea of Galilee, the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, like Oh please! Can we have these hymns to to listen to? You know, as we go back into life, and um, and I thought, well, sure, I'll just I'll record something on my iPhone and email it over. And I was talking to my husband about that, and he was like, there might be something more here, at Kelly. Like maybe you should do it better than just recording something on your iPhone for a few friends. But take this seriously. And he's so good to me in that way, and believing in me so many times before I actually take things seriously for myself. <laughs> and um, and so I dove in the studio about a year ago. And I mean, sometimes when I talk about it, people think I'm joking. But I actually made a ukulele hymn album, 25 hymns, all on the ukulele. Um, I layered the uke with lots of fun solos and um, layered my voice. And so it's got kind of that Oh Brother Where Art Thou kind of vintage vibe. Um, But it's very singable, and my goal is that people will be able to put it in. They know the songs. Just pick your part and sing along. Um, But it was really healing for me to work on it and um, brought revival to my own life. Um, Mm -hmm. And my hope is that as people soak in these songs, that they'll, too, experience just an awakening in their heart of what's true and good and of who they are and who
0: our God is. Mm, That's great. Well, thank you. And thank you for getting your music out into the world and just really excited where you're at right now. And I think it's a beautiful journey of what you've just talked about this morning about, you know, where the struggles you've had in high school and just the hope that you can give women and just people around the world through your music. So thank you for just sharing your heart. And I just love how kind of raw you are in some of your songs. And Mm -hmm. that just helps us, um, you know, because all of us, we experience disappointments and struggles and challenges. And how to move through those, I can see and kind of just feel in your music. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, it's not really an intellectual thing. I mean, you can't move through grief intellectually. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. It's just such like a heart gut um, kind of movement. Yeah. And uh, I just that's personally what I love about music. Music brings so much healing to my body and just my mind and my heart. And so I love that you're a musician and that you write music. You pour your heart out. And uh, it's just a beautiful thing.
1: Hmm.
0: Thank you, Beth. Yes. So just as we kind of wrap up, I want to just talk a little bit about just you just in an ordinary day. like Because you're, like us all, are probably still experiencing disappointments, struggles, (laughs) challenges. I mean, you know, just thinking about gratitude and teaching that to our children. Mm -hmm. Um, what does that look like for you? How does this, you know, you've had this like big video and, uh, (laughs) but then real life hits in and, um, how do you continue to practice gratitude? I love that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I remember when I knew the video was going viral, one of my friends called me and I'm literally, you know, I'm a mom, we have three kids and I'm like literally making rice on the stove, like spoon in the pot, staring like phone between my shoulder, my ear. And she's like, Kelly, you're on Perez Hilton. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So I love how from the very beginning, this has been like super ordinary. Um, I mean, maybe an extraordinary thing, but like life is ordinary. And I think I used to expect life not to be ordinary, and when it was, I was disappointed. But I think I realized that like, ordinary isn't a problem. Like, ordinary is great, and um, really our battles are fought, and, and our hearts are shaped through the ordinary through the daily practices through in a lot of ways the monotonous things um that we do and it's in folding laundry it's in making our kids lunches it's in stirring the pot of rice but i realized that we have a choice so i would never prescribe like here's the 10 step plan to get through grief cuz cuz there aren't there it's not that neat like you can't package it up but I would say that we have a choice, and we can choose how we respond to things. We can choose how we respond in the ordinary. We can choose how we respond in the extraordinary. And I think we can choose gratitude. We we don't choose the tragedy or the hardships, but we can choose gratitude. We can choose to be content. We can choose to not be easily offended. There are so many places in just the ordinary day-to-day Uh, things we encounter where we can choose something good or something better in how we respond. And like we were talking about earlier, so much of it um, is mental. It's in our heads. So are we going to choose gratitude? So whatever that disappointment is in the day, like, oh, maybe the Starbucks line was too long and you couldn't get your coffee and now you have a headache. But you can choose gratitude because you can say, well, you know what? Like, I, I can make a cup of coffee when I get home, and it's going to be okay, and I just saved four bucks. Um, whatever it is, there we have an opportunity to choose um, joy and to choose to realize that we are provided for, that we have a God that loves us with an attentive, focused, specific love, and that we are are okay and I know that we're all okay because we're all like you're listening to this like you haven't given up you're here and you have a choice right now to choose hope and to choose joy and to choose gratitude and that's a decision that starts in our hearts and usually doesn't flow into reality until it starts in our hearts
0: so last question that I ask everyone what are three daily practices that help you stay healthy?
1: Well, green smoothies. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I do love a good green smoothie. Um, I love to run. So um, most mornings I like to start with a run. And You know, it's interesting because some, some mornings I'm, I'm really split. Some mornings it's, it's the playlist I listen to during my run that I feel like is so great and then some mornings I literally don't bring a phone, I don't put headphones in and I love to just run in quiet and either enjoy the quiet of like just hearing my feet pound the pavement or enjoying the quiet of just being in prayer and preparation for the day. Um, but I'd say a good workout is the best thing um, that I get to do, um, I think that keeps me sane and healthy and even my husband knows if I'm like crabby, He's like, Kelly, you just need to go in a run. And I'm like, oh, yes, I totally do. And then I go in a run, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's not that big of a deal. I feel great. That's great. Um, so I think runs or probably any kind of workout is sort of miraculous. Um, and I think just taking, taking a little time, um, even if it's five or ten minutes, to just sit quiet, um, whether you're praying or you're just enjoying stillness um, in some way, um, but and, and I like the idea of going to the same place every time. So I have a certain spot in my house where I go and that's that's my quiet place. And and it's like my body knows when I sit in that chair, like, okay, like we're here and it's time to be still. So I think um, that regular rhythm of being still and quiet and prayer um, and having that happen in the same place is really important. And then I really believe that what we put in our bodies um, affects our moods like it not only affects how we look but it really affects how we feel and um so for probably about six years now I mean our family's made a major overhaul in our diet and um we try to eat really clean and plant-based and it makes such an impact um on how we all are how our kids feel um it our energy is better but also our our moods are better when when what we're putting in our bodies is, is things that truly nourish, um, it really matters.
0: Well, that's great. Thank you for being with me today and sharing your heart and your vulnerability and your hope. And you are just a fantastic, amazing, beautiful person. And I'm thrilled just to know you and, Uh, just appreciate you coming on how can people find you if they're wanting to know more about you
1: well if you follow me on instagram i'm at kelly haddock music and if you follow me there you really won't miss a beat i update every day and i'm always talking about um what i'm learning i'm sharing new songs i'm talking about how eli's doing so um follow me there i i write blogs regularly and it's a great place to interact and i'd love to get to know you too and and know what you're learning um and and what you care about also so um i think instagram's a great great place to have relationships and get to know each other so i'm there and i'm on facebook at kelly haddock official um and love to post there and interact so whichever whichever way you love to engage you'll find me there and then my website It's just kellyhaddock.com and it's Kelly with an IE. But I have lots of great um, resources there as well and videos. And you can listen to my records, read my blog. It's all right there. And um, Beth, you inspire me so much too. So it is a joy to get to talk with you and um, be a part of the amazing work you're doing at Balanced by Beth and with the podcast. So um, thank you for being amazing and giving all of us so many
0: great resources as well. Yes. Well, thank you. All right. We'll we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye, friend. Thanks, Kelly. Bye. Balanced by Beth is a podcast to inspire women to live strong. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personal medical advice.